to Natural Born Alchemist. Hey folks, Alex here, and this is episode 334. I want to take you back to the summer of 1937. Remember? The world is on the brink of World War II, and Jacques Berger a chemical engineer found himself face to face with an enigmatic stranger in a Paris lab. The stranger that Berger met in his laboratory was shrouded in mystery. And this stranger revealed a dire warning to Berger that he wanted him to relay to his colleague Helbrunner. And he said the following. You are on the verge of success, as are some of our other scientists today. So please allow me, be very, very careful, I warn you. A few grains of metal can be used to make nuclear explosives powerful enough to destroy entire sea. The alchemists have known it for a long time. Certain geometrical arrangements of highly purified materials are sufficient to release atomic forces without having to resort to electricity or vacuum techniques. The secret of alchemy is this. There is a way to manipulate matter and energy to create what modern scientists call a force field. This field acts on the observer and puts him in a privileged position in relation to the universe. From this position, he has access to realities normally hidden from us by time and space, matter and energy. This is what we call the great work. When World War II finally arrived, Helbrunner resisted the Nazis' coercion and met a tragic end in Buchenwald concentration camps. Burger, who joined the resistance, also suffered internment, but survived to co-author the cult classic The Morning of the Magicians, bridging the gap between alchemy and atomic physics, and asserting that ancient alchemists knew more about atoms than previously thought. Burger's pre-war encounter with, uh, with a stranger happened about eight years before the first nuclear tests. Uh, and the first nuclear test was called, very esoterically called, Trinity. And uh, this story uh, sparked some interest, even from the, even amongst the, the CIA, back then called the American Office for Strategic Services. And the stranger was suspected to be the legendary alchemist Fulcanelli. When Berger asked Fulcanelli about the Philosopher's Stone, he replied in a cryptic way. The vital thing is not the transmutation of metals, but that of the experimenter himself. It is an ancient secret that a few people rediscover each century. Unfortunately, only a handful are successful. Now, we're not going to talk about Fulcanelli nor about alchemy in this episode, but as I'm working on my comprehensive history of alchemy series that will be released at some point I come across this little nuclear story and I thought 
it was worth sharing because the fact that the people who were the pioneers when it came to, to nuclear research, uh, that they were hanging out with Fulcanelli, uh, this famous, legendary, mysterious alchemist, is too good not to mention. Uh, but I want to talk about nuclear energy. And um, I think it's all on our minds in this year of our Lord 2023. It's because of the Oppenheimer film, excellent film, the Oliver Stone documentary, Nuclear Now, as well as the threat of nuclear war due to the US-Russia proxy war that's going on right now. So, and you know, like if you look at the mainstream media, the corporate news, uh, they mention nuclear uh, bombs quite a few times on a weekly basis. So nuclear energy uh, is on our minds, whether we like it or not. And um, always when you talk about nuclear energy, you cannot help to talk about the nuclear uh, nuclear weapons, even though they have got nothing to do with each other. I mean, when you talk about um, petrol or filling up your car, you don't automatically think about, um, you know, like a Molotov cocktail. So it's a bit, it's a bit stupid. Um, the sun, the heart of our solar system, is essentially a colossal nuclear reactor in space. In the esoteric context, nuclear energy can be likened to the raw primal force of the universe, a source of immense power that can bring about transformative change. Its potential for both constructive and destructive uses echoes the occult concept of dualistic nature of existence. The interplay of light and dark, good and evil, creation and annihilation. Moreover, the process of nuclear fission, the splitting of an atom's nucleus, can be metaphorically construed as the occult principle of solvet coagula, uh, which is a Latin maxim meaning dissolve and coagulate. And this principle is central to the process of spiritual transformation in alchemical philosophy. Whether self or substance is broken down and reformed, reshaped into a higher state of being. That's, that's basically alchemy in essence. Hence, nuclear energy in its intense and volatile character encapsulates profound occult symbolism. It serves as a reminder of the immense power sleeping within the universe and within ourselves and the responsibility that comes with wielding such power. Now, I've always been an, an environmentalist and I know these days in 2023, I always like to mention the year because you know, you're, you don't know in the future, what the cultural paradigm is. But right now, the environmentalists of the world are a bit embarrassing. And I cannot really relate to them. But I am an environmentalist at heart. But the way environmentalism has uh, you know, evolved into what it is now, it's basically just like a front for the... For the for the Illuminati, if, you know, <laughs> lack of a better term, you know, like, so I don't really support that. You know, they talk about climate change and climate crisis. 
I'm not really that interested in those kind of things. Uh, you know, I I am all about protecting nature and not trying to pollute nature. You know, I don't want to dump uh, waste into lakes. I don't want to cut down the rainforest. You know, basic stuff like that. Uh, this thing about like uh, corporations have to compensate for their emissions and getting taxed and the climate crisis is the end of the world and all that that malarkey i don't buy it i don't buy it so don't confuse the two things uh, i'm a traditional environmentalist uh, you know and i've always been an ally of nature you could say so with that in mind i've always been you know against the fossil fuel industry in the sense that we should always strive to find the best source of energy, the cleanest. Because I know people who support the fossil fuel industry, you know, it doesn't matter what they say, they cannot claim that they want to live next door to a fossil fuel industry. Nobody does, you know. Coal is uh, very dangerous and so is coal and a lo lot of deaths happen every year from people uh, being exp exposed to those things uh, I mean pollution is bad I mean you, you, the big cities you know you can see it for yourself you know like the, the smog and all that so uh, I'm against all that uh, we should strive to having a clean healthy world you know and uh, I always had a problem with nuclear energy because there was one, one, one aspect of nuclear energy that made it so I was against it for, for most of my life. I was against nuclear en energy. And I also have to admit that it was like 20, almost 30 years ago since I even looked into nuclear energy because I like... You know, I got better things to do than to study the what's happening in the nuclear energy sector. <laughs> so a lot of things have, you know, changed and uh, things have improved. Um, so you have to go with the times. But the thing I had a problem with was that this is there's a small amount of of waste that a, the, a nuclear energy plant produces that cannot touch anything biological for like a hundred thousand years. And that, that simple little fact was the only reason I was against nuclear energy. Because I thought, uh, that doesn't sound good. Uh, and I think you agree. Uh, and I still think solar energy, I mean, I got solar panels myself. I think solar en energy is good, and I think wind power, I guess, is good and that. But uh, um, it will never, it's not enough to keep us, you know, sustained. But I still think solar panels are good. I mean, I mean, I, uh, I think uh, that uh, everybody should have solar panels if they can afford it or manage to get hold of it somehow. It's always good to be somewhat self-sustained. My solar panels won't sustain me all year round, but they do uh, provide some sort of assistance or help. So if like the power, if the whole energy grid goes down. You know, I can't blast out energy 24 hours a day, but I, I'll have some energy. You know, I'll have more energy to use than somebody who doesn't have any solar panels. So it's it's like a it's a prepper thing. It's a prepper thing. 
um, I also have uh, gasoline and like a, a generator. You know, you know, you have to cover all aspects of a future uh, societal breakdown. <laughs> but um, but let's dive deeper into this uh, because I want to I want to look at nuclear energy because I have changed my opinion in the last year. Uh, so I used to be against nuclear energy, mainly for that simple one simple little fact regarding uh, the waste. But uh, now I'm pro-nuclear energy because uh, things have changed and that that fact is no longer really correct. So let's dive deeper. Uh, I have a few audio clips I want to play to educate us a bit more on the topic. First up, I want to play a 10-minute segment from Joe Rogan's interview with Oliver Stone. And this audio clip begins with a small outtake from Oliver Stone's documentary Nuclear Now, an outtake from, from the trailer. So, so have a listen to this. Most of our power still comes from burning gas and coal, and the amount is going up, not down. If we do not cut carbon emissions by nearly 100%, the world will suffer serious damage. This is an even bigger problem than we thought. The answer to solving climate change is very straightforward. What's the best solution in your mind? Largely nuclear. 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 We've been trained from the very beginning to fear nuclear power. The very thing that we fear is what may save us. What's scary is not the same as what's dangerous. Coal is dangerous. Now, more people die from coal in a couple of weeks than have ever died from nuclear, which is all from the one accident in Chernobyl. First question is, what about the waste? Nuclear waste is nothing compared to climate change. Once you understand it, people have a better sense of not being afraid. We have to provide clean, affordable energy to the world. In general, we need to move faster. We do this for our families, we do this for our kids yeah, and sure. those generations. We've run out of time to be afraid. We have these ideas in our mind about the dangers of nuclear power. And I love the analogy that you made in the film about how driving a car is not scary, but it's dangerous. Flying in a plane feels scary, but it's far safer. Yeah. And this is a great analogy to nuclear power. When you went over the, the data, when you talked about the amount of deaths from coal every year, when you talk about the amount of deaths overall ever from nuclear, it's, it's stunning. It is. It's stunning. And then when you cut to, in the documentary, you showed the anti-nuclear movement that happened after Three Mile Island. Yeah. And how crazy it was. There's all these stars and celebrities and they're doing concerts. We've got to stop nuclear power. And what a mess. That happens when a fad, I mean, becomes fashionable. Yeah. It was a very successful movement. You're talking about the negatives here Mm -hmm. and the accidents and... uh, we, we cover all that in the film, which is called Nuclear Now, 
And the idea that was behind it was because I really was like you. I mean, I, I went along with those things in the 70s and the 80s because mm-hmm. I didn't know better. I, didn't, I wasn't educated. I, would, I really wanted to know what is nuclear power. I wanted to go back to the source. And you've got to go back to the beginning. And you've got to go back to Marie Curie and Albert Einstein and World War II and all how it, could, how it got developed, this nuclear energy is a beautiful, incredible, almost a miracle that was given to us. We have an Earth. It's all. It's in the Earth, uranium. It's everywhere. The planet, the Earth, the sun. And we, in a sense, uh, we took it like Prometheus and we kind of misinterpreted it, misused it, which is, not, which is kind of normal for, given the, what we do with natural things. World War II was happening just as the, as the nuclear... Fission was being understood, and that made the bomb. They made the bomb with it because there was a war on. They they rushed it, and they did a they did an amazing job. Oppenheimer down at, uh, the, the in Los Alamos, but and they got it, and they were successful. But uh, as you know, it was misunderstood at that point that nuclear energy was not nuclear bomb. In the contrary, it was a bomb is very difficult to build. And it takes a lot. It takes years sometimes. It takes scientists, and they have to enrich the plutonium, and they have to work at it. There's all f- uh, configurations in the bomb that don't exist in nuclear energy. So when people see a nuclear energy plant, they subconsciously they cross it with both war and they cross it with horror films that they've seen in the 1950s with radioactivity and monsters that come out of that. You know, spider. Yeah. The spider bites the uh, man, and he becomes Spider-Man. You know, Hulk, it's, yeah. it's incredible the stuff that happens, and it's all. And it's, Hollywood has done no favors to it. It's continued for years and years and years, and then. And the same thing is true for Fukushima, which is unbelievable because I, when you go to the bottom of it, it's. I was astounded to to find out that, that no, nobody died there from radiation. Not one Japanese. They checked yeah. the whole thing out, and it's been done to death. But you hear about 15,000, 20,000 people died from the tsunami and the earthquake, which was the biggest earthquake Japan ever had. I mean, really, we show the earthquake. We show the tsunami. The wave was 100 feet tall. There was a badly built wall. The wall was not a seawall that was, could hold, and the generators were flooded beneath the, the water. And, and these, are, these were also not state-of-the-art. Um, that's right. We, it's yeah. like what what they can do now in terms of these power plants. Is... No, the, uh, the everything gets better. I mean, the, yeah. But even the, those those uh, nuclear reactors built 60, 70 years ago are still functioning. They're legacy reactors. They do work. Yeah. And we mustn't dismiss them. Yeah, it gets better. And technology gets better. Like as in any business, you, and there's another generation, and it's better. But hopefully, better. But, uh, but the point was that they could avoid what happened in Fukushima today. Well, Fukushima was, a, if you if you look at the, closely, Japan had built uh, 20-some reactors at that point, and this one is the only one. The others were exposed to the same earthquake and the same kind of tsunami. Several of them were on that same coastline. But this particular one, this uh, plant, was uh, was the only one that was shaken up. And even then, all the radiation that was released, there was a hydrogen explosion. All the expl- the, that radiation released in the air, you heard about it. It was a, supposed to be another terrible. Well, they, you, we have shots in the film showing 
they're taking tests on all the Japanese citizens, and nobody get you know, it's low-level, what they call low-level radiation, which is we can sustain it. We have, our, we have DNA in our body that fixes, repairs our body as each day goes by. We, uh, but it's also, you point out very well in the film that there's a lot of radiation that you don't even take into consideration that you encounter constantly. We have right. this idea of radiation as being a, a net negative. It's a terrible thing. But it's just a thing. You get it from being outside. You get it from rocks. You get it from all sorts of things. There's radiation in this room. It's, 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 uh, you get radiation from eating a banana. I think what you said is so... It's so true that films and, um, and, and comic books and our fictions of radiation, that's part of the problem. Yeah, that started early it, in the 50s. It's a giant problem. Comic books and all that. It plays to the worst aspects of human nature, which is we just lo love to get terrified about headlines, so we don't read into the devil of the details. Exactly. That's what was confusing to me, and I really, you know, we're miseducated. Uh, uh, and there is still a bias against nuclear, if you mention it to anybody. Yeah, it's scary instantly. And it's, yeah, but the, the point is we can live with it, and we have to because we're facing, we're facing a very difficult situation, a, a cliff that we're going to go over. And it seems that no one's really getting it. So that's why I felt like the film, I wanted to know. I need to educate myself. So in doing the film... I think I was able to bring out these things you talk about. What is wrong with nuclear energy? It can work. It is a miracle. We should use it, and we should use it abundantly. The Chinese have, and the Russians are way ahead of us. They've built this. They built it, and they built it with government backing, not like the U.S., where we kind of back it, but we don't really back it. So uh, as a result, well, China's really cutting out now because they have about 70 reactors, uh, approximately 70 reactors. Yeah, about 74, I think. Anyway, they're building, and I've heard, uh, I can't, uh, I don't remember the source, but I did hear that they're putting another $140 billion into this thing, which means that they're gonna build 150-some reactors over the next, uh, by 2038. That is a serious investment. Serious investment. Wow. The contamination from coal is terrifying. They estimate from air pollution alone. I've read figures of 4 million deaths a year. It's just so many, so many cases of you know, respiratory illnesses. Yeah. And, oh, it's horrible. It's, I want to say 4 million a year from air pollution, but 1 million at least from coal a year. That's what I've seen. But there could be more coal in the... So it's and really, who knows what the, the health <clears throat> negatives are on top of that. Like how many people are suffering with illnesses and yeah. ailments because of those particles, especially around those reactors or, or, the, or the plants, rather. Yeah. It's horrible. Uh, Trump digs coal. I dig coal. He said clean coal once. It was just like, what the clean fuck coal, are no. you saying? <laughs> the fuck are you saying? Cleaner than what? <laughs> the uh, other... Lighting tires? Now, the other uh, truth that we miss is gas. Now... We know how ugly the oil thing is. I mean, there's the waste and all the oil, and this fossil fuel itself is destroying the universe because we're putting carbon into the atmosphere, CO2. But uh, gas is considered, they're using gas everywhere. Uh, even in, it seems like a modern thing. They say, well, 
renewables, which are solar and uh, wind, those are we're all for that. I want wind, we want solar, but they don't work all the time. They run out in the winter, at night. The point is, when they run out, what they need is gas backup. It's backup. Mm-hmm. You see, nuclear doesn't need storage and it doesn't need backup. What's the beauty of it? It's a real clean energy. And uh, gas does, I mean, uh, 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 renewables do need backup, and that backup is gas. The, the, so it's not 100% like the, one, of the, one of the issues is about uh, storage, the waste. Yeah. And when you talked about just the, the size of the amount of storage, it's not nearly as much as a lot of people think it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, the amount of, we, uh, it's, it's, all the waste that we, America has used up to now in the last, since the 1958, whenever shipping port was built, has amounts to about the size of Walmart, frankly. You could put it in a Walmart. In other right. words, people make a big deal about waste, but they don't realize that it's so intensive uh, an energy, huge amount of energy that it's, it's uh, com- how do you say, compact as a result. So it fits into a... It, if uh, waste itself is, is is a positive about nuclear, because first of all, there's been no harm done. So it's been buried in casks, and it, first of all, it goes into water for maybe two, three years, and that's a conductor that takes takes the radioactivity down, and then it gets put into casks that are 12 to 14 feet. They build these casks in the United States. They're concrete and steel. Concrete. Uh, is a great, uh, does not conduct uh, radioactivity. Concrete stops it. So concrete and and steel casks work. They can go for 100 years, and then you can go another 100 years. And then eventually, eventually, you realize that radioactivity drops each time. In four or five years, it's way down. It tops to almost... If you, I don't have all the figures, but you can see that it's, it's a ridiculous fear given... Compared to what? Given climate change is so dangerous. And compared to the deaths that are already occurring every year just from u- using the methods we have now, in, in comparison to the amount of people that have died from nuclear, it's very, very small. As I said, I, I dislike the term climate change. Uh, you heard it mentioned in the trailer for Nuclear Now. Because I, I dislike the term because it's so politicized. But So to me, this is more about pollution not so much about climate change. And we want less pollution. And often when we talk about nuclear energy, the accident at Chernobyl comes up. And uh, Dennis McKenna, brother of legendary psychonaut Terence McKenna, once made the point that it is interesting that the mushroom also is a symbol in our culture of death and destruction, being the symbol of the nuclear explosion, the mushroom cloud. The question thus becomes, what mushroom is it that grows at the end of history? Is it the mushroom of Oppenheimer or is it the mushroom of Wasson? Wasson is referring to R. Gordon Wasson, who was responsible for introducing psychoactive mushrooms to a wider audience in the West in the late 50s with an article in Life magazine called Seeking the Magic Mushroom. So is it a mushroom cloud or a psychedelic mushroom that lies in our future? Well, maybe maybe the mushroom is also an answer when it comes to nuclear energy. Uh, 
Perhaps the shape of a nuclear bomb is a symbol of also what can be used to subjugate that which is the lethal parts of nuclear waste, especially in a meltdown. I remember one time when I was in the Amazon, uh, one of the curanderas, uh, the shamans, showed me uh, a few plants in the in the rainforest, uh, explaining that the shape of the plant kind of tells you what it's supposed to be used for. So, like, there was like this plant that had like some leaves that looked like testicles, <laughs> almost like, or or, or uh, you know, like resembled it somehow. And sh- and they used that plant to to for medicine that concerned the testicles, you know. So uh, with that kind of like code that nature has provided, that you know the w- way something looks is also the way it can be used. You know, I was thinking that well, maybe you know the fact that a nuclear bomb looks like a mushroom could also be nature saying like, look, uh, you can cure radioactive waste with mushrooms. Because in the ruins of the world's biggest nuclear accident in Chernobyl, a special kind of mushroom called radiothropic fungi is not just surviving, but thriving. This mushroom is pretty tough and uses the radiation around it to grow, just like how plants use sunlight. But what's even more fascinating is that it uses a component called melanin, which is also found in in humans. The survival strategy of this mushroom could open up new possibilities for space travel. It can use radiation, which, which is common in space, as a source of power, offering a limitless food supply for long space trips or even setting up colonies on other planets. On top of that... This mushroom can turn radioactive waste into energy. This means it could help us find new ways to deal with dangerous waste that we've created. Similar types of these radiation-loving mushrooms were also found at the Fukushima nuclear power plant after the disaster in 2011. Just like their relatives in Chernobyl, they can use the deadly radiation around them for their own benefit and even produce energy. This not only shows how these mushrooms can help clean up radioactive waste sites, but also how they could produce useful energy. It's an exciting prospect for finding new environmentally friendly solutions to nuclear waste management and power generation. So the mushroom is the answer yet again. Yet yet again. Uh, It's probably... You know, like, if you look at Earth from an alien perspective and you want to judge the dominant species, if you look at Earth from an an alien perspective and you want to judge the dominant species, um, maybe it's the fungi and humans are just like mosquitoes. (laughs) So how much energy can you get from any specific source of energy? This is what the host of the Bitcoin Standard podcast talks about with his guest Ryan McLeod. Ryan is a Bitcoiner who works in the nuclear industry and has some valuable insight, I think. In this segment that I'll play for you now, they're discussing the amount of energy you can get from nuclear energy. 
Uh, I just said that, but I, I said, said it again, so it's clear. Anyway, uh, have a listen. It's just how much energy can you get per kilogram of a particular fuel. And this, I think, sets uh, the context up really nicely. For wood, for instance, which humanity had relied upon for thousands and thousands of years, it was the most significant source of energy that most people had, um, but it was very expensive to get. But once you got it, you got 16 megajoules per kilogram of energy in wood. That's what you get. So if you think about a one kilogram log of wood, you burn that, that gives you about 16 megajoules. Now, if you had coal, on the other hand, you'd get 50% more, which is about 24 megajoules per kilogram of coal. So coal is more energy dense than wood. It gets you 24 megajoules per kilogram. Oil, on the other hand, is even more dense, almost twice as much density of energy as coal. So it gives you 44 megajoules per kilogram. And natural gas will get you 55 megajoules per kilogram. So natural gas is the densest of the hydrocarbons. It gets you 55 megajoules for, per kilogram. Now for nuclear, on the other hand, uh, it's 3,900,000 megajoules per kilogram. It's, yeah, just it's a, not even in the same category. It's orders yeah. of magnitude better. Yeah, it's, it's 100,000 times higher than uh, your average hydrocarbon. So it's basically oil times 100,000 is the difference here. So for you know one kilogram of oil, you could get that energy from one over 100,000 of a kilogram of uh, nuclear fuel. Uh, so that's a pretty startling statistic when you think about it. I brought up a simple little input graphic that, that captures it pretty well. It just shows the... The amount of hours that a 100-watt light bulb can be kept on by a kilogram of fuel. And if it's wood, yeah. 1.2 days, coal, 3.8 days, oil, 4.8, and one kilogram of uranium can keep a light bulb on for 11,700 years. What? One more time? The amount of hours that a 100-watt light bulb can be kept on by a kilogram of fuel. And if 1.2 days, coal, 3.8 days, oil, 4.8, and... One kilogram of uranium can keep a light bulb on for 11,700 years. So uh, let's keep going because I have some more interesting audio to share. Now I want to play a short uh, segment uh, with founding member of Greenpeace, Dr. Patrick Moore, talking to News Nation. And uh, I just want to say, God, is it just me that cringes? When you hear those corporate news anchor voices, I mean, they, they, they just sound annoying somehow. But, uh, you know, ignore that and just listen to what Dr. Patrick Moore has to say. And keep in mind, he is one of the founders of Greenpeace, although he's not anymore working for that NGO. For obvious reasons that you'll find out <laughs> in this clip. Now, Dr. Moore, this is a fairly big deal. You left Greenpeace, the organization you co-founded over this issue, and we know that Greenpeace still believes that nuclear power is, quote, an unacceptable risk to environment and humanity. So why did you change your mind? Why is nuclear the answer for our environment? Well, there's two main reasons. One is because nuclear energy is the safest of all the electricity technologies we have in terms of causing harm to people working in the industry and to the general public. There are more than 100 nuclear plants operating in the United States and Canada, for example, and no one has ever been injured 
by radiation from these plants. Chernobyl was a complete exception. The Russians built a really bad design reactor, and one of them went nuclear. No other nuclear plant in the world has ever had that kind of nuclear accident. Fukushima and Three Mile Island, which are also mentioned all the time about nuclear accidents, did not harm anyone, never mind kill anyone, from radiation. The second reason is, is because nuclear energy can actually replace fossil fuels better than any other technology we have, including hydroelectric. Those three, fossil fuels, which are gas, coal, and oil, along with hydroelectric and nuclear, are the main energy sources that run 24-7. This wind and solar binge that we are on now is a dead end. They only work a third of the time. And so nuclear is the one technology that can actually replace a lot of the fossil fuels, not because of CO2 or climate change, but because fossil fuels are precious and we should save them for things that can only be done with fossil fuels, like flying airplanes and large trucks and big farm equipment. We can run nearly everything on nuclear energy that is stationary, all buildings and all the other things that steel works and huge energy consumers are now using fossil fuel energy, gas and coal, to do things that nuclear energy can do. And the stock of nuclear energy is so much larger than that of fossil fuels that that's the way we should be going. And it is completely ridiculous for people who want to end the use of fossil fuels to oppose nuclear energy when there is no rational reason to do so. Well, speaking of fossil fuels, you know, obviously gas prices are so high, the administration is encouraging Americans to buy electric cars. Uh, it's another question if they can actually afford them. But do you believe that all American cars um, could run on nuclear energy and by when? Of course they could. But right now they're talking about charging the cars with fossil fuel energy if they don't allow nuclear energy to exist. What else are you going to use? because the wind and solar only work a third of the time. That means that when you have wind and solar energy supplying the cities and the industries, you also have to be charging the batteries. So you're going to need three times as much energy generating capacity with wind and solar, which are actually a parasite on the larger economy. I've said for a long time that all wind and solar installations should have to be built bottom up with wind and solar energy. And then we would find out they can't even build the wind and solar facilities with wind energy, never mind run the economy on them. This, this is a huge mistake that has been made to think that wind and solar are so-called green, which actually has no definition. And the fact that the Europeans have declared natural gas and nuclear to be green, I think that is a very smart move because the idea of green is it is totally uh, not a, a science word. It's a, a political word. And so what they're saying there is let's go for gas and nuclear so that we don't have to basically starve to death on our energy system by using wind and solar. Well, and Dr. Moore, I mean, you did mention Three Mile Island before in Pennsylvania, certainly the closest thing we've ever had to a full meltdown here in the U.S. Can you understand people's fear? Because nuclear sounds great, but when it does go wrong, gosh, is it devastating for both humans and the environment? 
actually nothing devastated happened with with Three Mile Island. No one was injured, never mind killed, not one person. And the same is true of Fukushima. 20,000 people died from the tidal wave, from the tsunami that came in, but nobody died from nuclear reactor failure. Yes, it was the Japanese, they, they should be taken to account for not being very smart about where they put their nuclear reactors, but it still didn't kill anybody. I mean, even if people didn't die, wouldn't you agree there was still a large environmental impact? From the nuclear reactor? No, there was none. There, there's no measurable reactor impact. And CNN had a headline during the Fukushima accident which said, nuclear crisis deepens as bodies wash ashore, as if the tsunami victims had something to do with the nuclear reactor. That's the kind of propaganda that comes around nuclear energy. It is the safest electricity generating technology that we have, safer than hydroelectric. Actually, 250,000 people died in China from one dam rupture of a, of a hydroelectric dam. And I'm in favor of hydroelectric, and they should have built a better dam. But the fact of the matter is, is that nuclear energy is the safest of all these technologies in terms of the number of deaths that have occurred. And Chernobyl was the only one that caused deaths, 56 deaths, according to the World Health Organization. People say there was hundreds of thousands of people died, but apparently they have no names or gravestones. And so the fact of the matter is, is that nuclear is safe and we should, if we want to reduce the amount of fossil fuels, for whatever reason, I think it's because they're precious and should be preserved for the uses that they need them for, like aircraft and big trucks and tractors and other farm equipment. We could replace almost every other use of fossil fuels with nuclear energy. I'm sorry, what, one more time? And CNN had a headline during the Fukushima accident, which said, nuclear crisis deepens as bodies wash ashore, as if the tsunami victims had something to do with the nuclear reactor. That's the kind of propaganda that comes around nuclear energy. So the nuclear power industry has made uh, significant strides regarding all this important stuff like safety and waste management. And the reactor designs have become way more advanced than what they used to be. But I tried to determine the number of nuclear power plants required to power the entire world. And uh, it involves several variables when you try to figure this out. Uh, as a simplified estimation based on the average power output from a typical nuclear power plant, we would need about 18,000 nuclear power plants to power the entire world if we solely, solely relied on nuclear energy. And this figure, however, is very approximate and the actual number could be higher or lower due to factors such as energy losses in transmission and variations in power plant performance. But, you know, is, this is not a scientific research paper you're listening to, so it's roughly in that area, 18,000 nuclear power plants. And according to the World Nuclear Association, around 97% of the waste generated by nuclear power can be recycled and reused. So it's only the remaining 3% that is, that is high-level waste that I talked about earlier, That, that I, the reason I had a problem with nuclear energy, that that it's only that 3%. And uh, 
This waste must be handled with the utmost caution due to its long half-life and potential risk to the environment and public health. Uh, and currently this high-level waste is stored at secure locations awaiting further processing because uh, you can't re release it into, into nature uh, willy-nilly. Moreover, a single nuclear power plant produces about 20 metric tons of used fuel each year, which is much less than any other energy source. Um, so to visualize these numbers, um, the volume of this amount of waste Consider this, one ton of spent nuclear fuel is roughly the equivalent to about 0.5 cubic meters. So it means that half a million tons would be about a quarter of a million cubic meters. So the volume of a standard two-car garage is about 40 cubic meters. You, if you don't know the metric system, it, this might be a bit confusing. So think of it like this. Most people know Wembley Stadium. You know the one where Queen, the rock band Queen, had their famous show. And uh, I'm sure you know Wembley Stadium. But Wembley Stadium is... If, if you don't know Wembley Stadium, just think about a football stadium or a soccer stadium that's really, really big, you know. Uh, and, and a big stadium, right? The amount of dangerous high-level waste the 3% that nuclear energy produces, if the whole world was run on nuclear energy and we had 18,000 nuclear power plants, the amount, the, the volume of this high-level waste would be as big as 22% of Wembley Stadium. So it's about like uh, several thousand two-car garages or something like that. Yeah. So I don't know if I calculated that exactly correctly, but I think I did. I even used uh, some AI to help me with it. I cheated. Uh, that's nothing. That's not in imagine all the energy in the entire world, all of the, f of the waste that, that that energy produces, waste that you really can't recycle. The amount of waste on an annual basis is 22% of Wembley Stadium. Do you know how big the Earth is? That is fucking nothing. Nothing. So how much space, you know, you, you might say like, well, 18,000 nuclear power plants, that's a fucking lot of power plants. They're going to be littered all over the world. But no. Uh, I don't know if you know the country of Bahrain. It's a very, very small country in the Middle East. It's a tiny, tiny country. You know, like Liechtenstein or something like that. Um, it's a very tiny country. That, that's the size you would need for 18,000 power plants. Uh, if you want to power the entire world with uh, wind power, you need two India. You know, just... And, and that's if we pretend the wind is always blowing... But, you know, we, you need two Indias. So basically, you could imagine... Uh, think of it like this. If all of the nuclear waste is stored, the dangerous parts are stored, uh, in the s next to all the nuclear power plants we need, 
then basically, you know, like the United Kingdom, you know, like a size that big, you know, that could be like the, the power source for the entire world. And the rest of the world could just be liberated from any source of or any form of like industry required to produce energy. And then also we have a small-scale nuclear energy on the rise, presenting a potential solution for homes to gain independent power, and this is sexy. And these compact modular reactors, they're small enough to fit in a residential setting. And imagine, like, you know, if I had, like, a tiny, tiny nuclear reactor, you know, like a suitcase, size of a suitcase uh, next to my house, uh, I, I, I... I'll basically have energy for generations to come. Uh, that to me is very attractive. We could liberate the world from being dependent on uh, on the fossil fuel, which is both expensive, dirty, and uh, it's been the cause of many wars uh, and a lot of cancer. And you might say, oh, well, well what about nuclear radiation and cancer? Well, what about it, you know? There's not been that much uh, evidence concerning that. Uh, it's not that dangerous, you know? Uh, not if you do it the right way. So, uh, I don't know how you feel, but I think we should go fucking nuclear. Earth is a spaceship floating in space, self-sustained with a built-in source of battery. Harnessing the energy of the sun. Why is nuclear energy such a bad thing? Why does it have such a bad re reputation? Why are people scared? Well, you gotta follow the money. The climate activists who complain about nuclear energy are indirectly supported by the fossil fuel industry. Oil and gas can run out. But nuclear fuel will last us for Billions of fucking years. Billions of years. And uh, uranium can be found in many places in the world. So uh, 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 that's not a problem. And there's a lot of it. So imagine you own a company that makes billions of dollars a year. Uh, because people need to use coal to power their house. Imagine a new technology coming around. That is better than coal. And in the long term cheaper than coal. You would probably like people to not like that power source, right? Because you want to keep selling your goddamn coal. It's kind of like hemp. You know, hemp is better. Uh, it's better than cotton. It's better when you're producing paper and that. But the people who own the cotton industry, you know, they, they financed the anti-cannabis movement uh, because hemp was a threat to their wallets, you know. It's always the same story. And since nuclear power can produce uh, lots of energy without releasing any greenhouse gases, it could challenge the leading position of fossil fuels. So... The fossil fuel industry, are they do not like nuclear energy. And there's even evidence that the fossil fuel industry have given money to groups that are against nuclear power. Uh, by doing this, they can distract people from talking about the good things about nuclear power and keep their control over the market. So always follow the money.
Ironic, isn't it? By fighting nuclear energy, the climate activists are helping the fossil fuel industry. So don't be a fucking sap. Go nuclear. That's all I gotta say. So this was my little piece of propaganda to balance things out a bit. Uh, go nuclear. It's it's a miracle. It's a blessing. It's what we are meant to be using. We always talk about being self-sustained, you know, like it, it, that it's a good thing to be self-sustained, especially if you're a prepper like me in a way. Uh, but also something you learn in alchemy is, is the microcosm and the macrocosm. So if I live self-sustained or try to, uh, it also works on the macro level. Earth is also self-sustained. It has to be. Because if it's not, we're all going to die. Earth has it all. It has a perfect source of power that lasts for billions of years. Much longer than we'll probably be alive as a species. Um, It has the food. It has everything we need. So why don't we use it properly? That's all I got to say. I hope you learned something. Uh, I did. Anyway, please subscribe on Spotify uh, and also for the algorithm, please leave a comment on all or any of the episodes I've released. Some nice words. Uh, Also give a five star if you can. uh, That helps. And on iTunes, you can give a a review. Doesn't cost you anything. Uh, I still got a YouTube channel, but you know, like, I don't know how long that's going to last. I mean... I'm still going to be doing videos on that, but I don't know when I'm going to get banned because YouTube has really become like some fucking corporate demon. So I'll probably be moving to Rumble. Uh, I'll let you know when I'm actually on Rumble uh, completely. I'll still post them on YouTube, you know, just because. But, I mean, I think... You know, I I need to uh, be uh, on platforms where I, I can say what the fuck I want. Um, so now uh, let's end with the Buchanan brothers and their song Atomic Power because it has it all a positive spin basically saying that with great power comes great responsibility freedom is in the mind oh this world is at a tremble with his strength and mighty power they're sending up to heaven to get the brimstone fire Take warning, my dear brother, be careful how you plan. You're working with the power of God's own holy hand. Atomic power, atomic power, was given by the mighty hand of God. Atomic power, atomic power, it was given by the mighty hand of God. Two great cities in a distant foreign land When scorched from the face of earth Their power of Japan Be careful my dear brother Don't take away the joy But use it for the good of man And never to destroy Atomic power Atomic power 
Sackey paid a big price for their sin. When scorched from the face of earth, their battle could not win. But on that day of judgment, when comes a greater power, we will not know the minute and we will not know the hour. Atomic power! 